for those who have your Bibles, open it to Psalms chapter 39, which says, um, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good. But my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned my day. Then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere headbreath. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fools. I was silent. I would not open my mouth. For you are the one who has done this. Remove your scourge from me. I am overcome by the blow of your hand. When you rebuke and discipline anyone for their sin, you consume their wealth like a moth. Surely everyone is but a breath. Not be dead. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you as a foreigner, a stranger, as all my ancestors were. Look away from me that I may enjoy life again before I depart and am no more. Good morning, church. It's uh, a great pleasure for me to be here with you um, this morning. My name is Germa Bisha, originally from Ethiopia. Um, I know you, will, uh, you won't be able to uh, remember my name after five, six minutes, so I would like to tell you what it means. Um, Germa means majesty, so you can say your highness when you see me. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I remember I, um, a few years ago, I was in Atlanta uh, and uh, an opportunity to visit uh, African-American Baptist churches. And I, I, I was amazed how the congregation actually preaches with the pastor. They don't let their pastor preach on his own. And uh, the participation is just amazing. And I, and, and I wasn't used to it, and so I, I just couldn't concentrate on what the pastor was saying. I was just looking at the people, so, so exciting. So in the middle of it, they would say, come on now, I hear you, I hear you, all right, all right, all right. And uh, <clears throat> when uh, the pastor talks about some kind of sin, they cry out, Lord, have mercy. And when the pastor struggles in the middle of his sermon, they would say, help him, Lord, help him, help him, Lord. <laughs> so I hope to hear that, that uh, from you today, this morning. <laughs> um, so I, I, um, I, I uh, looking at from uh, Psalm uh, 39, um, I, uh, kind of the topic that we, we come, comes out from Psalm um, 39 is how to pray in the dark times. What our prayer posture should be when we go through dark moments. 
you know, I pray today you are not in that dark moments, but dark moments come to our life. We experience difficulties, we experience, um, uh, you know, difficult situations in our life. And Christianity or God doesn't promise us um, to, you know, uh, that we are immune from difficulties and challenges and um, uh, dark moments in, in, in our life. Those dark moments may arise from our own wrong decision, um, from the decisions that we have made, and, and that decision, the consequence of that decision might bring some kind of suffering to our life. Or at times it could be our loved ones who are going through dark moments. And their situation, their difficulties, their suffering affects us. It could be our communities who are going through dark moments. It could be our nation. It could be even international uh, that as we witness through COVID and what's happening in Afghanistan and other, other countries. So what kind of posture should we have before God in prayer when we are going through those dark, dark moments, when we reflect on those, on those dark moments, difficult, uh, difficulties and crises. Um, when we go through those dark moments, <clears throat> our response matters a great deal. It matters uh, for our relationship with God because when we go through uh, difficult uh, times or dark moments, our emotions uh, change, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we respond differently. We, so uh, how we respond, how we keep our emotions in line uh, uh, and right before God matters to our relationship with God. It matters to our well-being for how we allow the grace of God to elevate us from that situation or allow the situation to affect our feeling. It, it, it's, it's, it, affect, it's, it's, uh, it matters to our well-being. It matters to, uh, uh, to our witness. How do we display ourselves in the, in the presence of others when we go through dark moments. It matters to the effect effectiveness of our prayers as well. In those dark moments, we respond differently, don't we? Sometimes we may respond being over-optimistic. You know, God is going to change this and, and kind of very positive. We just focus on the positive. And we, it's, it's not out of faith or conviction, but to run away from the reality of what's, what's happening. You know, to kind of, we don't want to see the, the reality. We don't want to see the crisis. We become more optimistic. This is going to change, and, and this will happen. You know, this is just a time, a time being. So we just focus uh, unhealthily to the positive side and totally ignore kind of the, the crisis. That or actually help us not to take uh, the responsibility that we need to take uh, or not to admit um, uh, how that, those, those problems come about or our involvement in that. Other times we can be overwhelmed by the situation and become pessimistic, you know, refusing to believe that God will make a way and that he's bigger than the situation that we are in. So we don't need to be optimistic or pessimistic in, in, in when we go through um, dark moments, but we need to be real, realist, realistic. We need to see the reality of the crisis that we are in. We need to face the, the difficulties and the, the, dark, the, dark, the dark moments that we are going through. But also we need to acknowledge and see the presence of the, the, the reality of God in that situation. So not optimistic or, or, or uh, overly um, pessimist, but realist. So David, some um, people suggest that he wrote this song when he was going through um, 
in his latter life, when he was going through uh, experiencing the consequence of his his sin, um, you know, the adultery that he committed and, um, um, you know, uh, and um, uh, that he killed eventually the husband of um, um, the wife he had affair affair with. And that, uh, the, the consequence of that punishment started to kind of uh, manifest his, you know, through the days of his son, the rebelliousness of his, his, his sons. And as he was, he was experiencing not only private, public humiliation, and it's kind of a very, very, very difficult time for uh, David. So throughout the songs, it's even that David believed that God was chastising him. You know, God was on his case. He was, he was you know, Sometimes he was, he was seeing as if God is punishing him, but it was just really that the hand of God was over him. He, he, you know, he felt that God was not letting him, letting him, letting him go. And in, in, in detail, the line is actually a continuation of Psalm 38. And we, in that eight, David spoke in detail the nature of the problem he was going through and how even those near him, his friends and family abandoned him and his enemy were waiting for his fall. In a very, very dark Times. He admitted, he had, he, you know, he admitting, you know, in that, in that, uh, in Psalm 38, he admitted what he had committed. He confessed to God. He repented of his sin. And, 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 you know, he asked God to deliver him from that situation. So through those dark moments, David's prayer posture response was not consistent. It was changing um, from, uh, you know, at times he was exuberant, other times overwhelmed in despair. At, uh, at times, he was angry at God and at himself, uh, and, uh, uh, on himself and others. At times, he felt alone. And other times, he felt he was, he was not alone. God was with him. So he was very, you know, his feeling and emotion was fluctuating and changing. And this is what we observe in Psalm 39 as well. We see three kinds of prayer posture displayed in dark moments, dark moments. The first one was he was defending God in that dark moments. He was taking a posture of defending uh, a God. And, 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 and uh, <clears throat> secondly, he was debating with God. He was arguing with God. And then eventually he depend on God. He started to depend on God. So we see kind of these three prayer postures, de- 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 uh, defending, trying to defend God, and then debating with God, and then uh, depending on God. But before we look at them, I believe it is important to remember that there, are, there were at least three core knowledge and revelation about God David had that kept him grounded in these dark moments. I believe it will do the same for us. David was a man who have experienced the grace, the mercy, and the love of God. So he knew how God is merciful and loving. And God's love is eternal love. He experienced God's unconditional love and mercy. You know, he's, he's, he's one kind of the, the people that really experienced kind of a, a New Testament kind of revelation of the mercy and the love of God, the unconditional love of God. He highlighted his knowledge of his mercy of God when he said, in, in what he said in Psalm 32, uh, two, which actually uh, Paul quoted in Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, Paul quoting, he said, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from the works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count 
against him. So, so David has this revelation. He knew God's mercy. He knew God had mercy over him. He experienced this unconditional love, unconditional mercy of God. He knew the mercy of God. That kept him grounded that, 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 that God is not going to let him go. God is not going to abandon him. God is not going to, you know, he's not judging him, kind of push them away from him, or he's not departing from him. God is, God is faithfully with him. And secondly, he knew God's covenant faithfulness, his consistency and commitment, and unchanging nature. That's why he, sing, he sings often saying, you, O Lord, you are my rock. So David knew that God was his, his rock. He's, he's unchanging God. He's consistent God. He's, he's a commit, his commitment to his covenant. He's a committed God. He knew he can rely on God at these dark moments. God is a faithful God. That grounded David. And suddenly he knew that God is also a father who disciplines his children. And those he loves, not to punish them, but to change them. Not because he hates them, but because he loves them, that they may partake in his divine nature. He allows his children to go through uh, difficult circumstances, to teach them or to reveal to them what is in their heart, and to help them give priority to which, say, it matters. And in Psalm uh, 119, you see David said, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn you decrease. So David knew that God, God, is, God is in the business of transforming, in the, in the business of changing um, lives. And Hebrew uh, writer also, you know, that he says that endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not uh, only not true sons and daughters at all. Now, God is not the cause of our dark moments, but he may use it to help us to be like him. So this three core understanding about God grounded David in that dark, dark moments, not to run away or, uh, or to reject God or to uh, be kind of in, in despair. Um, in, in, in this Psalm 39, David's primary posture was to defend God. We see in the first three verses of Psalm uh, 39, we observe that David, David's decision to be silent. In that dark moment, David said, I'm not going to uh, say a word. He said, I'll, I'll watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a puzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. Now, he was explaining why he decided to be silent. He said the first, the first reason for his silence, to take a, a posture of silence, was he was afraid that if he speaks, he may sin. He may speak something that is offensive to God. Because he was going through dark moments. He's, he was, you know, all sorts of emotions were going on in him. So he, he, if he opens his mouth, he may complain. He may say something that would be offensive. So the temptation to speak was great. There might be people around him provoking him to speak. And David showed great quality of self-control. There are things he desired to say. Enemies guard his ways and muzzle his tongues. So in the middle of suffering, surrounded by enemies, and feeling the rebuke of sin, David was able to keep control of his tongue so that he would not sin. So David shows us that we shouldn't excuse our words because we are having a bad day. 
you know, David refuses to suggest he has a right to let his sons go because of all his enduring. Sometimes suffering seems to give us a license to speak, isn't it? You know, kind of that, that um, you know, enduring that suffering give us a liberty to speak. But he kept that. He was silent. But there was another reason for Deb's silence. It was in fear that he will give the wicked an excuse to ridicule God. So he, say, he, he thought that if he, he, you know, he didn't want to give them a reason to use against, against God. He wanted to defend God, to protect God. The wicked are those who live a life contrary to God's way. So he didn't want to give them any excuse to affirm their way of praise your God. Now, they are the ones who constantly ask the question, well, where is your God when you are going through these dark times? Why is this happening to you? If you are what, if you are, if you are, if God is what he said he is, then why is this happening? So, so um, at that dark times, he was not in a position kind of to, you know, the, the, you know, these people find it difficult to understand the power of God and the claim of his presence in human suffering. You know, God is a powerful God. If God is a powerful God, then why are you, the, the, the so-called ch child of God, going through suffering and God is not actually helping, uh, be, you know, saying being, helping you or, or, or uh, taking you out of that. So, to, to, so this, this paradox is very difficult for them to understand. And, and in our dark moments, and sometimes we try to hide that, that, that the God is actually the God who, who is willing to suffer our suffering, who, silent, who, who is actually a, a, a with us in our suffering. We, and we focus on the power, on the, on the power of God. So to, to protect, to defend God, we, 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 we keep silent. That's what we witness here. So it's easy for us to shy away from talking about this paradox and talk to people about the power of God. I have a friend who is a very um, successful businessman. He's married and have... Um, uh, three children with, um, uh, from his, his wife. And one day when he came back from work, his uh, wife was packing to leave him. And he thought she was joking, but he, she was serious. And he, 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 there wasn't any kind of conflict, kind of fire, you know, spreading around. He didn't know what was, what was going on. You know, you know, most marriages are in Cold War. You don't see any fires. <laughs> you don't see any any uh, uh, noises and fires and kind of. But the, you, you, you can say there is war. So this this is why our friend didn't know what was happening. He was just, you know, living his life. And he asked his wife, "Why are you leaving me?" And he, she said to him, "She said, I told you for years I'm married to you, not to your wealth. You are." obsessed to gain success and you you just I thought you know I, I I told you I need your time I need you I I married you not the the words you have so I need your time and you know you need to be present even when you are present you are not actually present so I and you are not listening to me so I can't bear it any any longer and and she left and he didn't believe what she was saying he was he thought that there was something happening and you know he's he's a uh, 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 he's a, a Christian, he was an elder, he was a very respected, uh, kind of um, loved person in, in, our, in our church. So it was very hard for him to accommodate. So, so he kept silent. We didn't know what was happening. She left, she left, and, and uh, he didn't say anything to us. 
he didn't say, we didn't know, we, he, he was projecting a very, he was the, the same thing, the same kind of joy and happiness and everything, and you know, kind of he was doing and serving the same way that he used to. And uh, we told, we asked him later on when we realized uh, what happened. In fact, he told us later, um, uh, after you know, every, you know, the restoration happened, he, he told us, he, he, he just couldn't talk about it because, you know, in his workplace, he, he thought that he would, you know, he, he, would, he was trying to defend God from, uh, you know, in his workplace, from the people that he was witnessing to. He, he thought that if he uh, tell them about his marriage crisis and he become vulnerable, then they might see, oh, uh, they might not accept the God that I worship. That kind of, kind of thing, kind of trying to protect, you know, if, if God is not able to protect your marriage, then why are you telling us, uh, you know, that this God is able to, you know, help us out or something like that? Because that was kind of the, the mentality that he had. And he, he kept an infinite of God. He felt that this Christian, this faithful Christian ser uh, serv servant of God, and how can... God failed to protect his marriage. That was kind of the mindset that was going on in him. And he was silent. And that, um, that actually really um, affected him uh, very much. But our vulnerability, our trust in God, despair, uh, despite our difficulties in our dark mo moments, actually speak a lot to people about God. When we say, I know God is good, and able to put to help uh, to help me, but I don't know why this is happening. And if we are vulnerable, and that dependence, that that receiving the grace and depending on His grace, and uh, and and being joyful despite our dark moments, actually speaks a great deal about God to other people than uh, we uh, imagine. So silence doesn't change the evil around us. The more silent we are, the evil flourishes. Silence is not good for our well-being. David described how he was feeling inside due to his silence. Silence eats us from the inside. Silence and internal dark moments affects our well-being. At times we damage our mental health and enter into depression because we choose to be silent. What I found, uh, I, I found uh, in the Western culture, I, I, uh, forgive me, it's very, uh, a very general statement, is that there's a tendency to consider as weakness to talk about our problems with others and even to God. In the African context, your problem is your community's problem. <laughs> your success is the community's success. Your, your children are the community's children. You know, this, so this, as Christians, we believe, I believe we have to learn to share our dark moments with God as well as with others. We have to be vulnerable. So silence is not a posture we should take in our dark moments. Now, David couldn't hold his silence any longer, and eventually he spoke. He took a posture of debate, and, you know, show me, Lord, my life's end. And he started to kind of debate. He, he started to debate with God. Are you not the, tell me, God, how many days do I have? How many days do I have? Are you not the one? Are you, are you not the one who made my days a mere handbrake? Are you not the one? You, you know my days. And in other words, he was saying, you know my life is short. How is it then justify, justifiable to, to fill this short life with pain? You know, he started to debate with God. You know, the burning question of this psalm is why God should so persistently discipline a, cre a, creature, a creature as frail and fleeing, uh, fleeting as man. It's the same question that the suffering Job 
asked. And, in, and he said in Job 7, Job asked God, he said, I, I waste away, I will not live forever. Leave me alone, for my days are but a breath. What is man that you magnify him, that you are concerned about him, that you exam, examine him every morning and time, every moment? Will you never turn your gaze away from me, nor let me alone, let me alone until I, sh- I swallow my things to do? You know, in his intense pain, Job is asking God, don't you have a better things to do than to afflict me? You know, just leave me alone. But although both Job and David complained, they were not kind of in a defiant way. There was a, there was a humility with that, with that debate. So, you know, in the dark moments, people argue. In, and, you know, the, uh, the prophet Habakkuk also argued with God when uh, the, uh, the, he was using the Babylonians to punish the Israelites. And, and he said, why do you make me look at injustice? How do you tolerate wrongdoing? You know, he, he argued with God, what is going on? And, and, and he said, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. And, and he was waiting for God to answer him. And he was really, he, he told he have some kind of convincing truths that will make God, oh, I made a mistake kind of thing. So he was debating with God. So in, that, in our dark moments, we tended to engage in debating with God. Debating with God is, of course, a form of prayer. But debate is a way of being vulnerable before God and letting him know our confusions. But debating with God in our dark moments could, could be tricky. Those who debate with God in their dark moments end up regretting it. Uh, Job regretted later on. He said, you know, you said, listen now and I will speak. I'll question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And Habakkuk also um, regretted um, uh, his debate or changed his posture totally. And he said, the Lord is in his holy temple. When God responded to him, he said, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And my friend, uh, Jonas, eventually, uh, uh, after silence, that silence turned into debate, and he became angry at, at God. And he, he, was, uh, you know, he was in despair, and he started to fall apart. Um, uh, you know, ask, why did you let my marriage fall apart? And there was, he became resentful of uh, uh, God because of his, his kind of situation. And that, that really brought resentment in him. And so in our dark moments, we shouldn't posture ourselves to, be, to defend God and, and, and be silent or to debate with God, but to depend on God. David asked one question. He said, but Lord, what do I look for? You know, my hope is in you. In this dark moment, you know, he said, I'm not looking for anything else. I'm not looking or engaged with the potential cause of my problem. You know, it's because of him or because of her or because of this situation, because of that situation. No, what do I look for? My hope is in you. I look up to you. I'm not looking anywhere else. I believe two realizations helped him to arrive to this place. The first one is the realization that God is in, 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 in the mess of things, in the mess of things that he have done. In, 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 in the mess he created, God is, was present. 
working, transforming and changing and, 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 and you know, shaping him up and shaping the situation. God was in control. He was in that mess, even if it was caused by, by David. Isn't that wonderful, brothers and sisters? God was in, in his mess. God was in that mess. So he realized that God was in the mess that was created in his life. He recognized God. And, and, you know, no matter what caused the problem, this creates hope in us and helps us to lift up our eyes off from the situation to the Lord. It's when we, saw, when we see, when we uh, fo- uh, focus on our problems that we forget the one who is present. And, 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 and that God is with him despite the wrongs he has committed. He said, I dwell with you as a foreigner, a stranger, as all my sisters. He recognized sisters well. He said, I dwell with you as a foreigner. He recognized that he was not alone. God was present in that dark moment. God was present in that dark moment. He realized that God was working in him. And Habakkuk also arrived at, at, the, at the same conclusion. And he said, you, you know the songs, he said, though the fig tree doesn't bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pain and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God, my Savior. This praise God, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Despite all that was happening, they lift up their eyes and focused on God and they put their hope on, 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 on him and they depend on him. So, of depend- so David chose to pray and to make his prayer posture that, that of depending upon God. Out of that dependency, he got courage to intercede and to ask God to intervene and deliver him. Now, eventually, my friend <coughs> um, uh, Jonas, uh, he saw his fault and sin, and he humbled himself. In fact, he, he came to uh, realize that through a testimony of a, a couple in the church. They were out, and they were sharing their own problems, and that, that testimony brought some kind of light to him, and he humbled himself before God. He made himself vulnerable before his friends. He asked um, us to pray for him, and out of that, he started to depend upon God to restore his marriage, and his humility and true acknowledgement of his fault restored his marriage, and they are happily, happily um, married till now. So in, da- in dark moments when we are surrounded by difficulties, let us not be silent in order to defend God or to come to it being vulnerable. God wants us to depend on him, to come to him with our problems. He wants us as a family of God to make the suffering of the one, the one, the suffering of all. You know, let us not debate with God as if we have truths that will give us upper hand before God, but submit to God taking a posture of dependence, recognizing that God is present in the messy situation of our life, that he suffers with us, that he's actively working to transform our life. Shall we all stand and pray before God?
as we even pray for those who are affected by COVID or the people of Afghanistan, let's first of all remember that God is with those people who are suffering. Present, let's present ourselves before him to share his pain, his pain situation. That pain will, will see hope even in this difficult situation. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, God is present in our dark moments, in our difficulties, in our mess. He is there transforming our life. Let's remember that his everlasting love, his covenant faithfulness, and that he is a father who disciplines his people, his, his, his children, so that we may be transformed into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Precious and wonderful Father, we are so grateful that you are mindful of us. That Father, you know us by name. You know our hearts and you know our situation. You know our sitting rooms and our bedrooms and our kitchens. You are thank you for us, Father. We thank you for this amazing love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy in our life. We thank you, Lord, because you are so mindful of us. We pray today, Lord Jesus, that those of us who are going through difficult times and chose to be silent and show a brave face, Father, we, we, we pray that you may grant us the grace to open up, to be vulnerable, knowing that you are present with us and it is okay you will make a way where there is no way, that you will help us. You are our um, ever-present help. Lord, we pray, Father, today, even those of us who are resentful and angry and debating with you and with others, Lord, help us to lift up our eyes off of the situation and to you. Father, help us, we pray, that we may depend upon you because you are our rock. You are on purpose, God. You are committed to us, Father, that your purpose in our life is peace and your plan is um, uh, peace in our life. So we commit ourselves to you. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you are going to do as through us. Lord, when we take a selfie, um, of ourselves, you want the sad selfie to be Jesus Christ. Lord, you are working in our life to transform us into his likeness. We rejoice in you. We praise you. We magnify your holy name. And Lord, thank you for what you are doing in our life. In Jesus' name we pray.